0: music NFT podcast show. I am your host, Beaks Vibe, and this is your number one source for all things, Web3 music and music NFTs. And I love the topic that we have to talk about today. Only because I think it's just incredibly fascinating and extremely important to where we are going with all of Web3 music and all of music NFTs. So I think it's really, really important that we touch on this topic, and I just want to say up front that I don't have a conclusive answer. This is not a whole kind of wind-up for me to then kind of drive home my point here. This is a discussion. This is public discourse that I would love to have with whoever listens to this podcast, whoever listens to the show, tunes in, or even has just a slightest curiosity about kind of where web3 music is going and what music nfts are all about cuz you know we talk about the technology we talk about the value we talk about its digital ownership and its scarcity and we you know there's economics that play into all of this stuff right and i think we all want to have this confidence and you know understanding of like what all these topics mean and, you know, a lot of times because, you know, we're music artists and music producers and things like that, you know, we have to learn so much about all this different components to what it. Means to be an artist. You know, suddenly you have to know about marketing. Suddenly you have to know about business. And then if you get it, you know, if you create a DAO or if you create a label or if you've ever been an independent label owner or tried to do anything kind of for yourself, you realize how much effort it takes to kind of build a team and what it even goes, you know, what goes into hiring and recruiting and looking for people. And just, you know, it is just a massive bear to create you know, a a system or an entity for yourself. And so there's a lot of things that one has to learn about to become a well-rounded artist. And it's one of the downsides of taking like an artist level at a professional level um, or, or any kind of artistry at a professional level because it's at some point it just really becomes all about business. And, you know, business is really... Kind of the the blood of this world is how kind of the world goes around is kind of through capitalism and and business and, you know, and money is the lifeblood of business, right? And so it's all about money, Um, almost if you just kind of boil it down to like its most reductive um, state in in a weird way. Because on one hand, you're like, it's all about music, but it's kind of all about money, you know? So that's what I'm getting to. And so what is the topic of this week? Well, there has been some online conversations and I think some really what I would call healthy conflict about the pricing of music NFTs, right? And we've kind of tracked it a little bit naturally. I I did not intend for this to happen. And I haven't talked about open editions, which was kind of the latest trend as much because it wasn't that exciting to me or it wasn't that even innovative to me. It just seemed like a, a reduced or watered down version of what we already know, which is music NFTs and NFT mints and all this stuff. But what has happened kind of since the inception is kind of a natural progression of saturation in the in the marketplace, right? And so we'll just look at music NFTs as a whole. I mean, we already know that in the NFT marketplace, there's tons of saturation. I mean, how many derivative copies of apes do we have to see, whether they're hologrammed or pixelated or 3D or just regular whatever cartoon apes? It's like... You know, there's only one Board Ape Yacht Club, and then there's 100,000 million others. So when we look at music NFTs, you know, and we can go back to, let's say, 2017 or th- 2018, when, you know, Mr. Blau himself was like one of the only and one of the very select and few music NFT artists. And, you know, he made something like 11 million dollars, 11 million dollars off of music NFTs. And when you listen to him talk about music NFTs, he's like, yeah, I mean, we were just we didn't even know what we were doing. We were just trying anything, you know, throwing spaghetti at the wall. Um, you know, this kind of NFT technology was interesting. You know, they put some new you know, music to it. And, you know, it was this very new thing at the time. It seemed like a pioneering thing at the time. And, you know, since then, we look at kind of where music NFTs have gone. And there's kind of progression markers on a couple of different fronts, right? Like, there's the technology side. So, you know, are royalties enforceable at the contract level of music NFTs, which we've talked about yet? No. It's like, okay. So, there's still like all these kind of technological limitations to the actual digital product itself from a technology standpoint, but from an economic standpoint, you know are people still making 11 million dollars because of the scarcity it's like well probably not no right because now now it's not as novel of a product offer now you know there are more and more artists have come into to into the music uh, nft space into the web3 music space so on and so forth and then and then we kind of get to that point right which is like how saturated is the marketplace and there is this kind of irony that's going on here where we you know talk about we need mass adoption we need mass adoption we need more attention and eyeballs on all this stuff but then there's this well the economy of music nfts is already at such a point of saturation that what has now had to happen is that because all these kind of high priced novelty music nfts no longer sell the way that, you know one would hope that to keep any kind of momentum going in terms of sales you know all these kind of different types of you know sales tactics and kind of open editions was one of the latest ones which is essentially to say we're just kind of getting rid of the scarcity of of the music nft and we're just going to make it at a much more affordable price point and give out a lot more which is borderline to saying We just want to make any kind of money and we'll just, we'll just mint as many as possibly necessary, which starts to almost sound like an unlimited amount. Now it's not an unlimited amount. You know, it might be 5,000 copies. It might be a thousand copies. It might be 500,000 copies. Right. And at some point you do hope to, the intent is still to sell out so that there is not an unlimited amount. But I'm basically talking about it went from I mean, listen, I mean, go back just a few episodes and it's like we're thinking about, oh, you know, one of the interesting ways a web three artist could come out is, you know, make a very limited drop, right? Make maybe you do, you know, a 10 collection music NFT drop for your you know, like very scarce. You know, maybe you do a twenty-five collection. I mean, these were the kind these were the quantities of numbers that were being thrown around just several months ago in the music NFT space. And now it's like A thousand, five thousand, a hundred thousand, who cares how many? You know, we'll just price it at five dollars. And when you look at kind of where we came from, from like streaming and just complete watered down reductive devaluation, where we're not even going to hardly monetize this thing, we're just going to, you know, back it against some like ads, you know, some ad sales. And you know, for a couple fractions of a penny, you can listen to a song. You know, you no longer need to own music; you just need access to music. For a couple other exceptions, right? I know the DJing one's always kind of my kind of go-to reference when I think of who in this world still needs to own music. And I think there are not that many examples of groups or subsets of people that need to own music as long as you can access music. And I guess that's completely contingent on the you know the dawn of the internet. I mean, without internet then you probably do need to own music again. But this is all, you know, this is all in the era of the internet. And so the internet completely changed the kind of democracy of ownership, if you will, because as long as you have access to what you need, it's essentially as good as owning. And I think that conversation is more complex still than people make it seem to be. Even in the music NFT landscape, where we think about scarcity of digital goods and that's the criticism from the open editions and people, you know, charging essentially $5 for a music NFT as opposed to $50 or $500. And they make all, all the analogies from like high fashion to, you know, low fashion, from high priced art to low priced art. I mean, you're always going to have the spectrum, right? You're, gonna, you're always going to have the, the one of one that sells for, you know, a ton of money to the unlimited amounts that sells for, you know, a penny. And everything in between. But the question is, is there kind of a universal right or wrong that the Web3 music community wants to see? Because when we start to look at it going from very novel, very scarce, very limited, high priced to open editions, very affordable. If you kind of just earmark that trajectory, that directional trend in terms of quantity and price it does just go right back down to what streaming does, which is why streaming is so dominant, right? It's unlimited accessibility, listenability, streamability, and, you know, but the valuation of the music is essentially little to none. And so that's kind of like where the the critics are going, well, are we just going right back to that? Are we essentially just making music free again? And yeah, I mean, it just, it's just, it's hard to think about because... And that was what I thought potentially the caveat of music NFTs was, is I still personally, on a personal level, believe in ultimate, like unlimited accessibility to music. Like, I don't think you need to own the song to listen to the song. I think there's a different audience for both. It's like you want the world to listen to your song. You don't expect the world to buy your song. But for those that, you know, that that's why we talk about that 1%, you know, the the very top of the of your fan base, you know, they're such diehards. They're so loyal. They're so willing to support you in any way that they will buy the song. They will buy your merchandise. They will buy the hoodie. They will buy all these extra things. If you're able to add value at an exceptional level, you're able to then extend that top line profit because you're able to optimize that kind of top core 1% of your fan base in such a way to do so economically. And so that's always how I've personally thought of like where music NFTs can come in. It is the vinyl record play. It's like, hey, listen, you can go listen to my music and pay in, you know, essentially support me or listen to me for free and have no kind of economic interest in my artistry by listening to me on Spotify But if you do want to give me the $10 or the $20 or the $50 to support me, you can then go buy the very, you know, a vinyl collection that I've gone and manufactured and done whatever with. And there are, you know, bands and artists and groups that do that. And that's like a total realistic. It makes sense on both sides, right? It makes sense why it's being produced that way. And and it makes sense why it's being like, you know, consumed in the on on the other uh, side of that. And so when you look at kind of the digital version of that, it's like music NFTs is the perfect example, where it's like if you want to just listen to the music and have zero economic interest or investment into my art my my artist you know brand or career or anything like that, you can go listen to the new music I just put out on Spotify. I still want to put it out there. I'm not anti-Spotify or I'm not anti you know Web2 platforms. But if you want to support my artistic career, there are these scarce limited music NFTs that I'm working on and there will only be, you know, ever so many where, you know, you can purchase it that way. And it's even greater because, you know, you know, it's going direct to the creator. If you do want to support them, it's not having to go through a bunch of, uh, you know, you didn't have to do all this like overhead, you know, you don't have to go through distribution, you know, you don't have to go pay a retail store to, shelf it and do all the stuff, right? I mean, in the real world, there's a lot of cost to even just doing business. And in the digital world, one of the benefits to doing business is the kind of lack of overhead that you can just kind of do it, you know, direct to marketplace, direct to consumer, whatever you want to call it. So I think it's interesting. And I think part of the, you know, I don't even know what the adjective I want to use is. I don't want to say part of the problem is, but part of what I'm observing is is that, you know, there's just simply human nature at force here, and there's always going to be the force of natural human behavior. And that that human behavior is... I mean, Price is... I mean, I think I've quoted this before. I'm not a marketing guru by any stretch of the imagination, but I did get a minor in marketing uh, at a four-year university. And Price is one of the four Ps of marketing. And all I mean by that is that how you price a product or service is part of the marketing of that product or service. It's not just like the sales and the business of of the product. It's part of the appeal, right? Like if you price something, I mean, take fashion as the example, if you sell a t-shirt at a thousand dollars, that is being, you know, you're appealing to a different group of customer than if the t-shirt cost $5 or $10, is a totally different group of people. Even though it's the same t-shirt and we're just up and downing the price, it's speaking completely to a different group of people. And so same thing kind of goes with if you know if you apply, you know, a $100 music NFT to a $5 music NFT, you are speaking to different people here. And I think we're trying to figure out who is the NFT community, where are we pricing music NFTs, what is the actual use case and utility of music NFTs. Honest to God, I hate when people say community is the best utility in Web3, because that's really the sleaziest way, almost in a naive way, they're saying like, you know, having a target audience to just like sell to is the best part. And on one hand, it kind of is like from the business component. It's like, yes, like you are, you've like absolutely earmarked a target audience. That's like resonated and is listening to whatever messaging you are putting out. And so any kind of marketing or kind of ad or, or business is interested in how they can ha- kind of get a connection. If they know that your audience fits in with their target demo target demographic, that being, but I want the the best utility in web3 to actually be added value and not just um not just saying hey here's the group of people that can be sold to. And and when I mean added value, I don't mean when you jump into a discord there's you know six people you can say what's up to. I mean maybe that's the added value in some cases and I'm not trying to put it down. I just mean in the general case it's like you're looking at you know, we already have the music, right? I think music NFTs is different than the NFT community in general because we're already talking about the values in the product and then how does this enable the artist to add value in a more dynamic way with music NFTs? So you're giving your audience or your, your fan base this digital ownership, this kind of collector's item good and then and then where do you go with that? And I think kind of when we look at directionally artists going, well, rather than trying to think through that question, we're going to think through how do we just sell more? Because we're not selling enough at this price, so we're going to lower the price and try and sell more, and we're just going to try and keep doing that because uh, we're not selling as much. And so people would rather probably think to themselves, hey, I sold 20 music NFTs. Well, at what price? Oh, five. Five dollars. Versus, hey, I sold 20 music NFT, or I sold five music NFTs. What, what price? You go, well, a thousand dollars. You're like, Whoa. Right, so what do we want out of this? What do we expect out of this? Um, I know a lot of people have opinions on where they want to see the music NFTs priced in the world, and I think ultimately you're always going to see a bunch of everything. You're you're gonna, I think I think open editions are going nowhere. I think one of ones are going nowhere. I think high priced music NFTs are going nowhere. I think almost giving giving away airdrop free music NFTs will always be here. So I don't expect this to be some type of change in the way any type of consumer behavior is happening or occurring in the world. But I think it is like really interesting food for thought. And I love thinking about kind of the psychology of all this because there is this utopian idealism of what we want this new foraging world to be. There's this dystopian, cynical view of it's only just complete thievery, griftery, you know, just taking money, extracting value. And then ultimately, you know, the reality is somewhere in the middle where you have the best of both worlds. You know, you've got people in it for the wrong reasons. You've got people in it for the right reasons. And you're just seeing kind of the forces of nature uh, play out. And that's all this podcast is trying to do is observe the forces at play and give our take on it, our hot take on it week after week. And so that's all I got for you this week. You know, I just wanted to talk about kind of the price point of music NFTs, asking the question, you know, is Web3 Music losing its value? Um, You know, if we just continue to go on it, will it just be completely oversaturated with, you know, different attempts at whatever? But I also think we're seeing some healthy conflict. I think we're seeing kind of some natural progression take place. And, you know, we'll see what happens and we'll see kind of where it all shakes out. So make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at TGM nft pod of course you know that short for the greatest music nft podcast show you can also follow us on youtube and on tiktok at the greatest music nft podcast show so make sure you follow us there and you can also always check us out wherever podcasts are being streamed so give us a like give us a listen it goes a long way we're gonna keep this thing going and we will see you same place same time right here next week we're out see you